0: Hello everybody and welcome in to episode 2 of Bullpen Bros. We are back again here to discuss the AL Central here as our main thing that we're going to discuss here today. Joined alongside by Matt Contreras. How you doing Matt? Pretty good, Brenda. How are we doing today? Doing pretty good, you know. I'm ready to talk some more baseball and, you know, I'm just looking forward to everything we have on the slate
1: today. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great show. I mean, everything that we got down... With- Ready to talk about. We got Hall of Fame talk. We got you know, Central talk. We got some fan questions. Thank you guys for sending those in. I'm excited mm-hmm. to get everything started. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about this division. Um, doing my research at, and looking at the standings last year. I mean, although the numbers weren't outstanding record-wise, it was still a pretty tight division. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to see these guys' futures and what everything, how everything uh, lays out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean... For me, as a Royals fan, I'm pretty familiar with division. And uh, it didn't look too good last year, but I mean, I think it's been a pretty good division in the past. And hopefully things are looking up for it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go. And uh, before we get into our fan questions here, I just want to give a quick shout-out to what our whole BDL slate's looking like for this week. So, the second episode of Bryce's Podcast, What's Streaming? Uh, should be out currently and then um, Samari will have a episode of the mansion coming out on Wednesday and then of course the Owen show will be coming out on Thursday and then last but not least BDL will be coming out on Friday so with that being said let's go ahead and get into our fan questions here and our first fan question comes from Robert in Clovis California and he says with a young core With Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, and coming off two solid seasons and a title, what on earth happened with the Cubs? Why could they not hold on and be more successful with that core in comparison to successful teams who hold on to their core groups, like the Dodgers and the Astros and other teams? Uh, Now that they're all gone, obviously, to me, very heartbreaking. So what do you got on that, Matt? What are your thoughts on the Cubs here?
1: So with this, um, I went ahead and took out the whole entire regular season because when it comes down to it, what you're really looking at is the postseason, and you want to talk about winning titles, being um, in contention area, that's what the Cubs were. You know, Back, I went back mm-hmm. and I looked at their uh, 2017. They made it to the NL, uh, the NL Championship Series against the Dodgers, and, you know, they, went, they lost four games to one. Um, right. but in that series, you go and look, I went out and went and looked specifically at these core of guys. I went and looked at Rizzo. I went and looked at Bryant. I went and looked at Contreras, Baez. I'm going to read you these stats and let me, I want to hear your thoughts on them. Okay. So Rizzo, okay. 17 at bats, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts with a batting average of 0.59. Bryant, mm. 20 at bats, four hits, one home run, one RBI, eight strikeouts with a two hundred two hundred 200 batting average. Contreras, 18 at bats, 4 hits, 1 Homer, 1 RBI, 8 strikeouts, and with a 222. Baez, wow. 12 at bats, 2 hits, 2 homers, 2 RBIs, 1 walk, 6 strikeouts. And you know as well as I do, if you don't have good hitting, your arms need to be able to back you up and go out there and throw up zeros. And the Yeah. That uh, I think their combined ERA for that series was a five three six. Dang. Wow,
0: that's that's pretty interesting. Looking back on that, I don't know if I remember them struggling so much against the Dodgers, but I I don't know off the top of my head who exactly was pitching for the Dodgers in that series, but I would assume that they had some pretty strong strong starting pitching, obviously, with Clayton Kershaw was there. Um, I want to say they probably had Hugh Darvish that year, uh, Rich Hill, who else? Maybe Ross Stripling. So, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. th- those are all good arms, so I can definitely see why the Cubs would have at least struggled with the Dodgers that year.
1: Right, but that's uh, that was just in 2017. From there on, I kind of saw a trend. And this is where, yes, you can have a strong core, but if they don't perform in the postseason and get what they need to get done for the names that they are for how they produce in the regular season – then what they did in the regular season necessarily doesn't matter. I could go hit 40 bombs in a season, but if I'm not still producing at the post at that level in the postseason, those regular season numbers really don't matter. All that does is win me maybe an award. But at the end of the day, yeah. you're chasing that World Series title. So in 2018, um they lost in the wild card. And in that wild uh, they lost a 2-2 two, two to 1 ball game against the Rockies. I want to say, yeah, with well, the Rockies in the NL wild card game in 13 innings, Rizzo went 1 for 4, Bryant went 1 for 6, Contreras went 0 for 4, Bias went 1 for 5. In 2019, mm-hmm. they failed to reach the playoffs. However, these four guys had great seasons. Rizzo batted 2.93, Bryant batted 2.82, Contreras batted 2.72. I'm sorry, Contreras batted 2.72, Bias batted 2.81. All great numbers throughout the season. The place where they fell in 2019 was the rotation. And just the bullpen in general, too, as well. Just pitching all around was their down, was the downfall that year. you yeah. Darvish had a 3.98. Kendricks had a 3.46. Which those two, as aces, I'd like to see better number, Or as a one and two, I'd like to see better numbers there. Um, mm-hmm. It's okay if you're in a low three. But... I like to. I would love to see a one and two be at that high two, to low three range. But for them to be almost touching four, shows to me that they really struggled throughout that year. And if you're putting up runs, you, like I said, you got to be able to throw up zeros. And they weren't able, they weren't able to hold on to leads. That's what these numbers tell me. Lester had a four four six. Quintana had a four six eight. And Cole Hamill's had a three eight one.
0: Which I mean. Those aren't terrible numbers, but I don't know. If you're uh, trying to be the top-of-the-line team, you know, wanting to win a World Series, I guess, I you, you could be saying they were just missing that ace that year. Exactly. Because th- those are all solid ERAs, but not like one or two rotational type of numbers. I think I remember the Cubs, at least that year, maybe their bullpen might have struggled a little bit. Yeah. That might explain it a little bit more, too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I um I want to say when I look back at the numbers, they had a few guys that had a uh, uh, high four ERA, high five. I want to say there was even a guy that had a six ERA. Um, and like I said, that's not going to win you ball games, you know. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at your core and wanting to put these core guys together, you got to also build guys around them. You got to be able to f- put that team on the field that's going to go out and win you ball games, and. Then again, in twenty twenty, in the COVID uh, short season, they made uh, they made the playoffs. However, this course struggled again. Rizzo and Bryant, for during that series, combined for 0, uh, went 0 for sixteen. Baez and Cruz went two for twelve.
0: Yeah, that's not what you want to see from those guys at all.
1: Not at all. If you're pain, if you will really look at these guys as your core group and Which they were in the regular season, like I said, they got you to this point. They got you to contention. They got you to the playoffs to where you can go out and contend for a World Series and play for a World Series. However, if these guys aren't performing, then those regular season numbers really, to me, don't really mean that much.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought this up because um, I guess I didn't realize how much those guys really struggled in the playoffs. You think back to that World Series they won in 2016, obviously – team was pretty strong they all really meshed well together and they all performed well in the playoffs but I guess I didn't realize how badly those guys struggled in the last few years after that
1: yeah absolutely and you know and like I said that's just that's a big component and yeah and if like I said and that's why they're on different teams now I think is because the Cubs realize that these guys now are all big-time names although you had them all at one point they, you weren't able to get what you initially wanted out of them. I mean, I guess you did. You got a series out. Of, you got a World Series championship out of it. But mm-hmm. you probably could. You have won more. Absolutely. I think you guys could have absolutely won a lot more. But these guys just didn't perform when they needed to. That's really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. At least after that World Series win, I would say you're 100 percent right. And I mean, for me, I guess I'll kind of look at the year that they had last year. And 2021, um, obviously those guys got traded at the trade deadline, but the Cubs ended up finishing 71-91, and so obviously not great. Um, If you look at kind of what their stats were last year, um, I think the Cubs definitely lack in starting pitching, at least from the roster last year, which probably had a pretty good um, factor into them training those guys because even if you have a good lineup with Baez, Rizzo and Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, I mean, you're going to have to have pitching to back it up. And the Cubs definitely did not have any pitching help last year. So I would say that's a pretty big factor. Um, they could have kept that world series core if they really wanted to, just because those guys really aren't that old yet. Obviously they're in the middle of their primes, maybe, Rizzo falling out of it a little bit, but he's still a great player, obviously. So uh, they could have kept them, but if you think about it, like I said, their pitching just isn't there. And also those guys have expiring contracts pretty soon. So um, who knows? Maybe they had conversations with ownership and expressed that they weren't really interested in re-signing. So the Cubs just did what they can do and flipped them at the trade deadline and at least got some young prospects back for them.
1: Yeah, no, when they all got dealt at the trade deadline, that was actually really surprising to me. I maybe saw them dealing two of these guys because I think realistically when you look at these guys, you would have had to be very team-friendly deals in order to keep all four of them. But when mm-hmm. I saw that they dealt all four of them, I, or actually no, Contreras is still there. They dealt three of them. They dealt Rizzo, they dealt Bryant, and they dealt uh, Baez. Contreras right. is still there. Whether mm-hmm. he, or not he stays there, however, to me is the only thing that's in question. I don't know if they're going to hang on to him, but I guess we'll just see that in the future. Um, But, yeah, no, um, I think that's what they really just came down to was just trying to decide who they really wanted to pay or if it was worth paying them, or should they just go out and rebuild and get prospects for these guys while they still can.
0: Right, and obviously that was kind of the way they went, trading everybody for prospects. And I think uh, when you're doing that, you can't really go – like middle, you got to do it one way or the other. And I think the Cubs did it the right way with just letting pretty much everybody go so they can just do a hard rebuild and get prospects back. I mean, obviously they kept Contreras, but I mean, I think it's a good idea to at least keep one piece around just, you know, for the fans to have a familiar face and have somebody to maybe pass the torch moving forward and, you know, be a leadership in the clubhouse, have that experience tell, Those guys what it's like to be in the playoffs and even win a World Series. So I would say they definitely did it the right way. And with me being a Royals fan, obviously this is kind of something that I went through too, just seeing the Royals win the World Series and then they kind of let their core go too, but they didn't really do it the way that the Cubs did. Most of their guys just kind of left in free agency. So it's cool to see that the Cubs at least got some young prospects back for the guys that maybe were just going to leave anyways.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: All right. So moving on here, we've got our next fan question from Tim from Kennesaw, Georgia. He asks us, who are your guys' favorite MLB announcers? So I think I'll go first on this one. Uh, The first first person that came to mind for me, at least, was Ryan LeFever, who is the play-by-play guy for the Royals. He's been doing it for a while now. So just growing up and – uh, listening to him, he's it's been a great experience because he's just all around knowledge on the Royals. He's been doing it for so long that he has great insight on our history, and just he's just a great person to listen to. And he's a familiar voice for the Royals, so it's just been fun to listen to him over the years. And um, another name that might come to mind, I would say, would probably be Jason Benetti. Uh, he's actually the play by play guy for the White Sox, and he does some stuff on ESPN too. But I think he's more of a modern announcer where he knows all the analytics stuff and he's really into it. And he's just a funny guy, too. I really enjoy listening to him. So I would say those are the top two my, guys that come to mind for me, at least.
1: Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, I think it's good when you bring out an analytics in when you're listening to someone, especially if they know. What they're talking about, and you understand what they're talking about, because that just provides so much more of an insight to the game. And mm-hmm. with that White Sox guy, I do think that they brought in a good guy because they did have the legendary Hawk uh, Harrelson. Yep, who that, that true. who I have on my list as one of my past favorite announcers. I used to love listening to, like I like when I would watch. I had MLB TV, and whenever they play the Yankees, I would listen to him as opposed to listen to my Yankees broadcast. And ju- just because I love just the in- like just him announcing, you know, just a quick little saying, "So he gone," or the <laughs> you can put on the board, "He yes," like just, yeah. just those type of things that really get you in tune to the game and mm. just make it exciting and destroy um, your attention. That I think that's the biggest thing when you're watching the game on TV is having a guy on TV that um, makes it entertaining and not is just. Calling the game, you know, you want a guy that you can listen to, can make you think about certain situations. Um, no, that's why I like that they brought on um, old players now on these like Saturday night games or MLB TV games, or even that uh, what they recently did where they all sit around and talk about the game because it gives you a different perspective of how the games played or how, what you're thinking in this situation. Different counts. Uh, it, it's just great for the game. And then another. A uh, pair that I love listening to. Bryce is going to love this one, being a big Giants fan. I got Mike Kruko and Dwayne Capper. I just love the chemistry that those two have when you're listening to those guys. Um, they bounce off one another. They have great dialogue. Um, love their Giants baseball and uh, the home run call that it is out of here. That's <laughs> always one of my favorite ones too. You know, I like I said, it's yeah. just it's just a. Uh, excitement of the game when you're watching it and so for me those are probably the two I guess past and present ones that I, I really enjoy listening to
0: yeah those are great answers I mean I can't say much about the Giants guys because I don't even know if I've listened to them before it's kind of hard to get Giants broadcasts here in Kansas but yeah definitely for Hawk Harrelson he's a legend for sure so I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because I've enjoyed listening to him sometimes too All right, so uh, we have one last fan question here, and it's from Alex from Columbus, Georgia, and he asks us, why do you think Barry Bonds didn't make the Hall of Fame, and do you think he should have made it over anybody who did? And that's going to kind of lead us into our warm-up pitch segment here because we're going to talk about Hall of Fame voting results. So, obviously, David Ortiz was the only guy who made it in. Um he made it in first ballot, got 77.9% of the vote. And pretty notably, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Curt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa all fell off the ballot. This was their 10th year, so they did not get it, and they will not be on the ballot moving forward. So I guess what are your thoughts on how it all shook out, and
1: why do you think that Barry didn't make it
0: to answer the fan question?
1: Um, you know, I think Barry Bonds didn't make it because of just who votes on the Hall of Fame. You know, there are a lot of baseball writers that still don't. There's a lot of baseball writers that hold on to the the old time of baseball, you know, like the clean, clean guy that isn't. They just like the old brand of baseball, I guess what you can say, you know, a lot of them don't even like the new bat flip. After a home run, you know the slow trots, the emotions of the game now that's coming into the game because you got a lot of young guys that love and enjoy playing the game of baseball and they show the emotion on the field. A lot of these baseball writers do not condone that type of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Do not condone that type of like emotion or action. And I think that's—I don't think that's a reason why Barry Bonds didn't get in, but I think it is a reason why, like, they're so stuck in the mind of whether or not Barry took steroids or not. He, I, as far as I know, I would believe he's never was found guilty of doing so. It never Mm -hmm. tested positive for him. But if that's if that's where you're going to hold the guy out for, and as long as far and along with Roger Clemens, that's just beside—that's beside me because you look at these guys. Accolades star Roger Clemens, seven times Sun Young winner, 4,672 strikeouts, led the ALNKs five times in his career. And if you're going to keep him out with stats like that, why? He was the best to ever do it. He was doing that even before the alleged PEDs came into the picture. Right. Like this guy had such a stellar career even beforehand, before he went to the Astros or the Yankees. He he did it. He did it all with the Red Sox. You know he had a great career with the Red Sox, and then you look at Barry, seven time MVP, fourteen time All Star, twelve time Silver Slugger, eight time Gold Glover, career and seasonal season, season ho, uh, home run record holder with six, uh, seven sixty two and seventy three homers in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Like how do you keep, like this hall? The Hall of Fame and the Baseball riders, the way it is now—makes me so upset because to me it's not. It doesn't have the best to ever play the game. And when you look at the Hall of Fame and when I tell my kids about the Hall of Fame in the future, I want to tell them that this has the best players to ever play the game of baseball. And that's not true because you're missing out on all these guys. Pete Rose, also, I didn't even have him on here, but I'm going to mention him. Pete Rose, stellar career, all-time hit, hits later. I want to say, he has like 4,256 hits or something like that. Seventeen-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ. How do you deny a guy like that? Yeah, like he's out also because he made a bet on his team <laughs> while he was yeah. managing. Like, but the yeah, whole, we're gonna-
0: the whole Pete Rose situation. I feel like is a completely different conversation. But yeah, he's definitely a guy that is like the poster boy of. The MLB doing somebody wrong. Like he should definitely be in the Hall of Fame 100%. Obviously he did something that he shouldn't have, but he didn't do it when he was playing. And I don't think it was necessarily anything that ended up hurting his team at all. So it, it's just, it's ridiculous that Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame 100%.
1: No, one hundred percent. And it'd be different if he was betting against his team to lose. Like I can get that. That's a totally different situation. If he was throwing games and playing and betting on games in order for him to come out on top because his team was losing, that's a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: if we're gonna keep guys in the if we're gonna keep guys from the Hall of Fame, whether it be for betting or qu- cheat quote unquote cheating, even though you still got to throw the baseball, you still got to hit the baseball, then why did the Astros still have the world series when they were actually proving yeah. guilty? That That's what really it comes down to. If we're, if we're going to keep people out from cheating, then why do they still have it? If you have yet to see this, if you want to, you want to know how great of a player Barry Bonds was. I encourage, I encourage you to watch a YouTube video called what if Barry Bonds had played without a baseball bat as <laughs> weird as that YouTube video sounds. Watch that video; your mind will be absolutely blown.
0: It's funny that you bring that up because I've heard people talk about that, and I haven't watched it yet. But I'm so curious just to watch it and see just what it says. So, since you brought that up, I feel like I'm going to watch that here next week.
1: No, I encourage you to, Brandon, because, like I said, it's just when you look back at it, and just I think he goes through just one season, yeah, and in that season alone, his numbers are out of this world. And then I want you to also find me another guy that has a presence at the plate to get watched with the bases loaded.
0: Yeah. That just does not happen at all.
1: Not at all. But I mean, I I'm happy with big poppy getting in there as a Yankee fan. He was one of the guys that I admired as, as weird as that is to say me admiring a Red Sox fan. I mean, a Red Sox player. Um, He was one of the guys I actually had respect for. He played the game, right? Um, He was a fearful hitter and I hated facing him every time that we had to, Um, but Mm -hmm. he's more than deserving. And I I kind of feel bad. Also, I was telling my dad about this the other day. I was like, I kind of feel like his, his hall of fame election and inductee is being overshadowed by all this controversy over Clemens and bonds and chilling and all these guys. So, but he's well-deserving and I just want to say congratulations, Sam more than deserving. Um, I'm happy for the guy.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that Ortiz got in. So at least my opinion on the whole thing, I feel like looking on, it's really tricky because I feel like it should be one of two ways. Like you're not going to let in anybody that's been tied to performance enhancing drugs or steroids, or you're just going to let all of them in at least the guys that deserve it. though. even with taking steroids the guys that still had a good career and so the way that things shook out, I don't really feel like it matched either of those because, um, none of these guys ultimately were tested positive or were suspended for steroids. And I don't think very many people realize that at least for bonds and Clemens, like obviously they were accused of it, but they were never suspended or tested positive a hundred percent, like for an MLB test. So, it's it's just tough because those guys don't make it, and then Ortiz does. But Ortiz was still tied into it, but he also never tested positive under MLB's testing. So, I don't know. It's just hard to say. Like, does Ortiz make it only because he's a modern player and people like him? Or, I don't know. If it was up to me, I would definitely let uh, Bonds and Clemens in just because Even if they were taking performance-enhancing drugs, I feel like you can't tell the story of baseball without these guys, especially for Barry Bonds. I mean, you could definitely say that Barry Bonds is 100% like a top-five player of all time. I would say he's probably the best player of all time and probably the best player we'll ever see. I mean, some of the things you mentioned, seven-time MVP, um... The 73 home run season, whether or not he was on steroids for that is absolutely insane. Um, Led the league in on-base percentage plenty of times. Intentional walks. If you just look at his 2004 season, that is maybe the best season in all of baseball history. He got intentionally walked 120 times, and his on-base percentage was 609. I don't think we're going to see an on-base percentage that high ever. I mean, that—that that is just mind-boggling how many times he got walked that year. And he ended up getting walked 232 times, by the way. So that was probably something that was brought up in that YouTube video about him not playing with a bat, I would assume.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, it's mentioned in there. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, I would say if it was up to me, all those guys should get in. Um, they definitely deserve it. Like I said, baseball history can't be told – Without these guys, I am just confused on why Ortiz made it and then ultimately Bonds and Clements didn't make it.
1: All right. With that said, I have a question for you. Do you believe that Mark McGuire should be in here, although he did admit to using steroids during the year he broke Roger Maris's record?
0: Uh, That is a tricky one because uh, I think –
1: because he still mm. won a World Series with the A's. He was Rookie of the Year with the A's. Yeah. And he still had a great career all around. I mean, the baseball world was taking a dive back when Sosa and Maguire were doing the home run battle, or the home run chase. That's true. You know, that was that was a big story. Sammy Sosa, Mark Maguire chasing down Roger Maris' record, a record no one thought would ever be broken.
0: Yeah. I and feel then like... he went on and did it. Um, If you're not going to let Bonds in, obviously you're not going to let McGuire in because Bonds, he still to this day doesn't admit to steroids. And like I said, he never test positive, obviously. But McGuire did admit that he took steroids. So I guess it's really just up to you if you want to let Cheater into the Hall of Fame. Personally, I don't think they should be. But at the same time, if you're saying that it's about the baseball history, then, I mean, you can't tell baseball history without Mark McGuire. So
1: if exactly. if
0: you're not counting merit for the Baseball Hall of Fame, then, yeah, I think McGuire should be in. But if you're hands down, no cheaters in the Hall of Fame, then, no, obviously, McGuire shouldn't be
1: in. Okay. Yeah, and I was just interested in your thoughts because I was like hypothetically if all these guys were able to get in, would he would he or would he not be in, although he did come out and say it. So, that's interesting. I, I I think I would have um him in, like I said. Like you've mentioned, like you can't tell the story of baseball without these guys, without mentioning these names. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to mention the Rocket, you got to mention uh mention Bonds, Rose, McGuire, Sosa, um like all these great names that I guess would never get in. That's sad to say, but. Yeah. Uh, man, I, just, I just hope, I, just wish, I wish these guys would reconsider, and I wish there was a way to allow these guys in, because that's it's, it's heartbreaking to see it. These guys had such great careers, and it's just all going to go by the wayside.
0: Right. And I don't know how many people know this or not. I don't know if you've even seen this, but I saw something where they have a new thing for the Hall of Fame. It's called, like, the modern-day ballot to where I don't know in how many years they're going to be eligible, but like Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, and probably even Sosa are all going to be eligible to be on that modern-day ballot. So I don't know the whole protocol behind that, but it sounds like they're going to have another shot at it at least. So who knows? Maybe they'll end up getting in with that.
1: Interesting. I have not heard about that. I'm going to have to go and look into that. that, I mean, if that happens, I'd, I'd be happy about it because, like I said, I think these guys are more than mm-hmm. deserving. I used to not be a big fan of, of letting Bonds be in the Hall of Fame. I used to have big debates with Giants fans, and my family's all Giants fans. Mm-hmm. So I would have debates all the time with them. Like, the dude cheated. Like, he doesn't deserve to be in. But then, like, as I got older, I got wiser. And, <laughs> uh, you know, can't came, came to my senses when I realized, okay, after playing college baseball, after – playing baseball my whole life, I'm like, okay, you can do whatever the heck you want. I can probably inject steroids into me right now. It doesn't mean I'm gonna go out and have a great season.
0: Yeah, that's true. And
1: and I mean like you still gotta throw the ball over the plate. You still gotta be able to hit the ball. And you know, it doesn't turn you into a freak athlete overnight. You know what I mean? You still gotta put in the work and still gotta put in the time. Yeah,
0: and we all saw how good he was even before he allegedly took steroids. And Exactly like you said, you still gotta have talent. You still gotta have the hand eye coordination to even hit a baseball coming at you at Ninety to ninety-five miles an hour. So,
1: exactly. Yeah. No. I wish. I mean, I mean, who knows? If maybe if I would took stairs, I'd be in the pros, huh?
0: I don't know. That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I'd be pumping that fastball 90, 95, That would be uh, scary.
1: <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. Well, before we jump into the breakdown of the AL Central, I got a quick ad for uh, for you guys. Uh, Genus is an upcoming American documentary film directed by. Cody, and Jake about a life of a rapper, uh, record producer, businessman, and fashion designer, Kanye West. It will premiere at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. The documentary is scheduled to premiere also on Netflix on February 16th, 2022.
0: Oh, baby. That that should be an interesting one. I'm kind of excited to watch it. Good old Kanye, baby.
1: Good old Kanye.
0: (laughs) What more can you say? One American K- legend.
1: Kanye loves Kanye, baby.
0: I think everybody loves Kanye.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe not everybody, but...
1: You, you love the character that Kanye is. That's yeah, what it You're
0: is. at least interested in him a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, so... We're going to our AL Central talk this week. Breaking down another division in baseball. Um, obviously, the White Sox came out on top of the AL Central last year. Pretty easily. Um... There wasn't another team that finished above ninety wins. Second place was the Indians, who are now the Cleveland Guardians. Finished eighty and eighty-two. Then uh, Detroit Royals and Minnesota all finished in between seventy-three to seventy-seven wins. So, not a necessarily competitive division in two thousand twenty-one, and maybe not even for the upcoming twenty twenty-two season. But anything is possible. So we will just have to see what happens here. So we'll move on to our first team that we're going to discuss here, which is the Minnesota Twins. What do you got on the Twins, Matt?
1: So when I look at this team, um, I don't really see them having a key loss. Um, They lost Michael Pineda, Pineda, who I didn't think was a big loss for him. So for key losses, I really don't have anyone um, for them losing. Um, For team needs, I just say that they need – a uh a pitcher i think they need pitching whether that be bullpen whether that be starting pitchers um that's all i really see this team needing because when i look at this lineup i i actually really like this lineup um you know they got a young young guy there nick gordon who's shows some light of being good younger brother d gordon Mm mm-hmm and then but this team is made up of just a lot of contact guys. I mean, if Buxton could stay healthy, he's a probably a 280 to 300 hitter. You got Luis Aris who hit 294 last year, Jorge Polanco who has a very solid bat and you know, this team, I mean, this team kind of reminds me of a team that just is kind of the mold I want the Yankees to follow. A contact team that gets guys on And needs to drive guys in, Um, you know, like you look at, I think that's just always been the twins identity though. I mean, you look back to past teams, you had Maurer, Morneau, Kadir, all those guys were contact guys. And I think, um, with the youth that Nick Gordon has, I think in the future he can provide something that something of that kind. So, um, you know, they need a rotation arm. They lost Trevor May um, when they traded him. And that was a guy that was a big piece for them in that uh, bullpen. um, he was our setup guy slash closer. Um, I look at this bullpen. I really don't see a guy that's just absolutely lights out. Um, you have Taylor Rogers who had in inning, 40 innings last year had a 3.35. Um, you have Tyler Duffy who in 62 innings had a 3.18, which isn't bad. Um, but like I said, they really do lack that back end bullpen arm to just shut things down. And then you look at the rotation. You got um, – we got Dylan. Uh, they went out and got Dylan Bundy from the Angels, who I didn't think was a substantial add. Um, he struggled last year, in ninety innings, had a six point oh six ERA. And if you're looking at Dylan Bundy to be your ace, I would say you probably need to reconsider. That. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with the with the with the twenties, I see them maybe going out and, and getting an arm, and um, I could see. I, I honestly think I think a guy like um Johnny Cueto could come in here and be that oh, frontline guy for him. That's an interesting um, man. I think he would be a really good sign and then getting a guy like maybe Ryan uh Ryan Tapera to come out, come in and be the bullpen arm. Yeah. I think adding those two guys can I mean that gives you a, a good arm in the bullpen and it gives you a veteran starter. Um this rotation has some young guys in it. Um they have John Ryan or Joe Ryan, I am sorry, excuse me, uh, Joe Ryan, who's twenty five, um, who's up and coming, and he had a, in twenty six innings he had a four hundred five last year. So I think if you just bring in a guy like Cueto to be that veteran pre- presence in this rotation, get you innings, and he did really solid with the Giants. And I mean, he, every time I watched him, he always went out and gave the Giants innings and gave him a solid performance and gave him a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And with the Twins, that's really all you can ask for in this division. It's just being able to give you a chance to win, go out and win ball games. So um, that's really all I have for them to add um, as of right now. What uh, are your thoughts on him?
0: Um, I think just piggybacking off what you said, I think Cueto would be an interesting signing for him. Um, watching Cueto in Kansas City during that World Series run, I would say mm-hmm. he is by far one of my favorite players to watch just because he he's just a presence on the mound. Like the different windups that he has and the different – ways that he delivers the ball to the plate it's just he's throwing the batter's timing off and he's just fun to watch i think minnesota would be an interesting spot for him i didn't even think about him signing anywhere i guess i didn't realize he was a free agent but minnesota would be an interesting spot for him um i guess when i'm looking at this roster it's hard for me to say what i think the twins should do because i kind of feel like they're in a spot where they're stuck in between competing and rebuilding um just looking at their roster from last year, I'm not necessarily blown away with what they've got. Obviously, they have some good young talent. You touched on Byron Buxton; I think he's a great piece to build around. He's a five-tool player, um, great talent. Obviously, hit 306 last year. The problem with Buxton is he just hasn't stayed healthy his whole career. We haven't seen a full season from him. I mean, he's got a laundry list of injuries and for some reason, this dude just can't stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy, I think it'd be great. They've got the centerpiece to build around. He's a great talent, but um, so far, we just haven't seen that from him. So I wouldn't count on him being the guy moving forward, but he's obviously a good talent to have on the team. Um, Looking at some other guys they've got, Miguel Sano is another guy that kind of catches your eye there. I think that he has maybe not performed as well as we kind of thought he could coming up. I mean, we just thought this guy was going to be maybe what Flaty jr. Is right now just a guy with pure power that can hit for contact too, going to hit like 40, 50 homers a year. And we kind of just haven't seen that from Sano. He's kind of shown signs of just struggling to put the ball in play. I got high strikeout numbers. Um, he So he's all right, but I don't know. I guess I'm just not sold on him yet. And he's getting up there in age, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about Snow. Uh, Polanco, obviously Jorge Polanco is another good young guy they've got there at second base, but I don't think he's somebody that's blowing us away either. So I would say that the Twins probably need to go into rebuild mode. Um Like I said, not a huge young core here. Nothing that's going to blow me away. Uh, Looking at their pitching from last year, I think that is definitely a weakness of theirs. I think just looking at their numbers, they had one of the worst rotations in the league. And uh, I wouldn't say they had a top bullpen, but it wasn't terrible. Um, As a team, they ended up having a 4.87 ERA, which was – 26th in the MLB, so it's not something you want to see if you're a Twins fan, Um, and obviously pitching is just as important as offense, so I mean, it's just not looking good for the Twins, I don't think, but I would say if they want to go ahead and try to go for it another year, I think it's definitely a possibility, they'll have to try to get some better performances out of some of their pitchers, obviously go after some guys in free agency. As you mentioned, they did pick up Dylan Bundy from the Angels, which, like you said, he didn't have a great year last year, had a 6.06 ERA, but I think he's a decent bounce-back candidate just because of what we've seen from him in the past. I think uh, 6 ERA is in the norm for him, so maybe we see him come back down to that four four point five range and be a solid, third or fourth starter in the rotation. And just looking at guys they should maybe sign, if they're wanting to make a big splash, I think they could maybe be in for Trevor Story. Um, Obviously, you're only going to sign him if you think you're going to contend. So the chances of him maybe signing there aren't high, but it's definitely a name to look out for if you're trying to find that piece to build with if you're the Twins. And then another guy maybe to look after, obviously, to help that rotation out. I think one guy that came to mind was Danny Duffy, which is a guy that came to the Dodgers from the Royals at the trade deadline, but he kind of came to the Dodgers with an injury, so he never actually pitched for the Dodgers. So um, kind of a wild card there. You don't know how he's going to bounce back from the injury that he had, but I think that would be a good, uh, you know, low-risk Potentially high reward signing for the Twins if they're wanting to go for it all.
1: No, absolutely. I, th- I can. To- I totally agree with your take. I think the Twins definitely are in that mid range spot to where it's like you're kind of deciding if you're the- if you're in the front office, you're trying to decide like are- like we have a team we can go to, we can go and compete with. I mean, we got a solid grouping, um, but you're just trying to decide like, okay, well, if we do, then we definitely got to get an arm. You know, like I and our lineup just definitely gonna have to step up with Sano, Donaldson, um, Garver. Like all those guys are gonna have to start producing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we can't rely on that top of the top of the order because that top of the order with the one, two, and three guys, if you project it that way, like Arias, Buxton, and Blanco those two, those are three solid bats. Yeah, I'm
0: not bad at all. And
1: and then like I said, you got the kid Nick Gordon, who whether you want to call him a prospect or not. um is a solid hitter. I mean, he in the minors he hit anywhere from two seventy to two ninety. So the dude can hit, and he can play anywhere that you need him to play. So I think if you bring him, if he if he's able to to step in, maybe he comes out in spring. If we have a spring training, <laughs> maybe maybe he comes out in spring training and just surprises guys. You know, and able is able to go and win a job. I would love to see that if I was a twin. If I was a Twins fan. If Nick Gordon can come out, flash that minor league bat that he was able to show but when he was there, and he's able to come up and produce with the Twins, I think that gives. It gives. If you're in the front office, you're like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, try to contend. Mm-hmm. You know, like we got a chance here. If we put him in the lineup and he hits the way he can, we got a chance here. And um, you know, the Trevor story I, is very interesting to me um, when you bring it up because they got Polanco and they got our, uh, Luis Suarez. The only and you and then you got Donaldson there too, so it's either you got to decide whether you are taking Sano or you are moving Donaldson to DH or vice versa, Sano and Donaldson DH, and then you bring Story into play, maybe third base, yeah, and then you put Donaldson maybe there. Or, I don't know. That'd be that'd be a very interesting dynamic if you were if you were to bring Story in. I think it definitely does help the lineup. But um, it would be very interesting if they did bring him in to see what they would do with that whole entire situation there. Yeah, I
0: think if they brought Story in, the way they'd probably fit him in, at least the way I would think, they'd probably play him at shortstop and then Arias would probably move to the outfield. I think I think okay, left yeah. field's pretty open for the Twins, so maybe that's where he fits.
1: Okay, and then you slide Polanco over to second?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. I could see that. Because they did
0: have uh, Andrelton Simmons, oh. I think, at shortstop, but he's a free agent. I don't believe the Twins are probably going to go after him and try to re sign
1: him. So. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that then. I think that would be very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're going to spend that much money on him, but hey, we will see what happens. I think the market is very open for Trevor Story. So um, we'll move into our prospects to watch for the Twins. Uh, The number one guy that comes to mind for me, I guess if they don't end up getting Trevor Story, this guy could fill in at shortstop for him. Royce Lewis, he is a shortstop in the Twins organization. He is 35th on MLB.com for top prospects. And he was the first pick in the 2017 draft. He is a very projectable five-tool guy. Um, Don't really see a weakness in his game. The only question mark with him is that he's coming off a torn ACL and he hasn't played since 2019. So he might take a little time in the minors just to see what the Twins still have in him. And I guess if he ends up tearing up the minors a little bit, maybe he'll get a quick call-up to the Twins to fill in that spot in the middle infield for him.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's something that uh, you could definitely look at. Another guy that I had... Um, similar situation. Uh, they have him listed as a outfielder slash shortstop. Um, is Austin Martin? He's the number two prospect right behind him, and uh, he's very interesting as well. Like I said, he's he's a shortstop outfielder, and same as you. If you don't see Jorge Polanco being that guy in the in the future and losing his job, or um, or you don't see him producing, and you want to throw him in the outfield, you can um before he was tra- he was it was a part of the uh bur- yep. trade and so uh even before then i mean even when he was with the blue jays organization um in double he was hitting 281 and then when he bounced over to the twins organization in 37 games he had 254 but i mean like i said that's a very eh, eh, sample mm-hmm. size for you to really say anything about that there um but i think late in the year if uh i think i, I kind of see him more as an outfielder more than I do a shortstop because you do have Polanco there. Right. Uh, if Kepler and Larnick are not producing, maybe you maybe that's a name you think about. If he's tearing the cover off the ball, you bring him in, and maybe he can help this team this year, maybe next year. You know what I mean? I think he's an interesting guy to look at.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the guy I had down too. Um, I think he's definitely an interesting guy to look at. I think, like you said, maybe he's an infield piece. I think he's – Probably gonna end up as more like a left fielder type of guy, just because mm-hmm. uh, from what I've seen, he's a little bit below average on defense. So I think the offensive talent is there, but defensive wise, maybe not so much. So I think that's a guy maybe you hide in a corner outfield spot to just kind of take the emphasis on off of just how average or below average his defense is. So um, absolutely. He's a guy that I've actually seen play this summer because the Twins A team is now here in Wichita, the Wichita Wind Surge. So I have a couple more guys that I want to talk about just from their time with the Wind Surge this past year and kind of what I've seen from them. Uh, the first guy I want to discuss is Jordan Balzavik. Um He's uh-huh. 81st on MLB.com Top 100 Prospects. He's a right-handed pitcher. He had a pretty solid year in double-A for the wind surge. He went uh, with three sixty two ERA, had 102 strikeouts and 97 innings pitched, which is, which is a great rate for a starting pitcher. Uh, his fastball sits mid-'90s. He's got a plus slider, and, I mean, he shows great command. So I think he's a guy that might be big league ready, and he could definitely help out that Twins rotation that we were talking about that is kind of struggling to find talent. And so another guy that can maybe help out in that rotation I've got is Josh Winder. He is the ninth Twins prospect on MLB.com. He's another righty. He was very impressive for the wind surge this past year. He had a 1.98 ERA in 54 innings and 65 Ks. Um, He got his season cut short by uh, shoulder injury. Um, But before the shoulder injury, he was sitting mid-90s. Had good off-speed pitches, plus pitches on all three off-speed changeup, slider, and curveball. And another thing that's notable about him is he has great command. He only had ten walks in those fifty-four innings, so I'd say he's another big-league ready arm if he's going to be uh, fully healthy coming into the twenty-twenty-two season. And then uh, right. one last guy I want to talk about is Jose Miranda. And he's the eighth twins prospect on MLB.com and he is a middle infielder. And he he was a big name here in Wichita just from the way he played here in double A. He ended up getting called up to triple A for his performance, but he hit 344 and had a 401 on base percentage in 127 games throughout double A AA and AAA. And he, he's a versatile fielder that could be used as, like, a future utility guy. So that is another guy to look out for in that Twins organization.
1: Yeah, no, those are very notable names that you mentioned. Um, I also had Jordan uh, Bozovic on here um, just because of that mid mid-'90s fastball. And we talk about guys that we want to bring in to help this Twins organization better on the mound. I mean, who better than – Josh w- uh, Winder and Jordan Bal- uh, Bal- Balzovic. Uh, those are two dudes right there that have had stellar careers already and can help this team in the future. If they continue to go on the tear that they're going on throughout the minors, I think it's, it wouldn't be long until we see them up there. Uh, very jealous of you that you get to see the Wind Search play. When I was out there, we didn't get to. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to, so very jealous of that. But And I totally forgot that they were part of the Twins organization. Now, because uh, when they were building it, they were part of the Marlins. If yep, I they
0: were going to be the triple A team for um, the Marlins. But once all that yeah. minor league reshuffling went, they somehow ended up as a double A for the Twins. So
1: that's right. But yeah, no, I think those are two guys and uh, two, two arms that can definitely come in and help those guys go. I mean, in rookie ball, Winder had a, three point, a combined 3.72, Singalee had a 2.65. And then like you mentioned last year, he, I mean, with those two, with the, between double AA and triple a, he had a combined uh, two, six, three. Yeah. So I think Winder's definitely a guy we can see up there. And then even with uh, Jordan, I mean, he was even throwing the, I mean, he was filling it up and had great command, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. So I'm excited for these prospects and I think they have a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of whether or not they will keep them, um, and don't try to move them around to maybe go get other pieces. That's that's probably the biggest thing with the Twins. But I don't see that happening. I think the Twins know that they have good prospects in their farm and that they have something in the future with those guys.
0: Yeah, I think I definitely agree with everything you say about them. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Twins will do. I kind of think they're the wild card in this whole division moving forward just because they could either rebuild, like I said, or some of these minor league guys could come up and they could easily – Push maybe a ninety one season. Who knows? So we we will see what happens with the Twins. Um, so the next team we will talk about is the Royals. But before we talk about the Royals, I want to talk a little bit about KiwiCo. Uh, KiwiCo believes that creative confidence helps kids think big and act like creators and producers instead of just consumers. KiwiCo had a deep appreciation for the creative hands-on project's that encouraged this kind of thinking, but as a parent, most often found that best intentions fell short. KiwiCo was created to help celebrate kids' natural creativity and curiosity while helping parents who want to bring enriching experience to their children. KiwiCo wants to make it fun, easy, and delightful for families to spend time building, exploring, and creating together. And ultimately, They hope that the problem-solving skills and creative confidence that the kids gain today will help them tackle the challenges and opportunities of tomorrow. Since its inception, the KiwiCo team has grown. They've added creative designers who dream up the projects, valued experts who review them, and a community of kid testers who keep us on our toes and ensures the projects are fun and engaging. KiwiCo is excited to have the opportunity to deliver these experiences to the creative kids in your life. So... With that being said, this is what I've been waiting for. The moment to talk about my Kansas City Royals, baby. So
1: Let's get it started, my guy. um,
0: Obviously, (laughs) didn't have a strong season last year. They ended up going 84-88. and But if you're looking into the future for the Royals, I think great things are on the horizon for this team. Um, If you look at the talent on the roster, I think they've got a great young team. And even looking maybe at the talent that's not on the roster um, in the farm system, they've got some pretty big reinforcements on the way. So I think they they could probably compete soon. And I think they could even compete this year if they add the right pieces of free agency. So I've kind of got a little thing laid out for them here on the steps they can maybe take to competing here in 2020-2022. So if you look at what they've done in free agency so far, obviously not too much. Um, they signed Taylor Clark, relief pitcher, one year, $975,000 deal, which I think is a good low risk signing. Um, I don't think he's going to do too terribly much for the Royals, but he could fill in and maybe a long relief type role, which obviously is never a bad thing to fill in. Um, another guy they picked up was Aroidus Vizcaino, which he signed a minor league deal. He is a guy that I personally am pretty excited about, not because he's had recent success in the majors, but maybe what he's done in the past. I think he's potentially a great reclamation project for the Royals, and for some reason they have a really good knack for those, especially with pitchers. So if you don't remember Vizcaino, was one of the top prospects in baseball at one time. Um, pre two thousand twelve, MLB had him ranked thirty uh, sixth prospect in baseball. And if you look back on his major league career, it hasn't been too bad. Um, he had some great seasons with the Braves. So hasn't pitched in the majors since two thousand nineteen. But um, if he can get back on track, I think he's a guy that could definitely help this Royals bullpen. Um. So, yeah, he's he's a name to look out for, I think. And if you look at the rotation side of things, I kind of want to lay out what the Royals are kind of looking like here for the rotation. So if you look at what they've got, they've got Mike Miner, obviously a good veteran guy, didn't have a great season last year, but could definitely bounce back. Um, they've got Brad Keller, who he had a great season in – 2019 I want to say maybe it was 2020 one of the two but didn't have a great season last year but I think he's another guy that could bounce back he's a pretty young arm that he still has plenty of time to develop too. so he's a guy to look out for and then rounding out the rotational east of what they've got now um they got Chris Bubich who is a pretty good talent I would say obviously didn't have a great year last year but was a rookie, so he's still got plenty of time left to figure things out, get that major league experience down. And then uh, Brady Singer, another guy who's kind of in the same boat, but he's more of a notable prospect type of guy that was drafted pretty high. I think he's a guy that maybe we could see have a breakout year next year for sure. And then rounding out what they've got, they've got Carlos Hernandez, who was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere last year. but He had some solid starts. He ended up starting 11 games for the Royals. Ended up with a three sixty eight ERA and a 1.28 whip. So definitely not terrible numbers. I think he was kind of a surprising guy that came up and could help out the rotation moving forward. So those are five guys that should fill out the rotation, but I think if the Royals want to end up competing this year, they need to go out and maybe sign some more guys to maybe – fill in the top one or two slots that aren't filled right now. So I think realistically they could definitely go out and get Danny Duffy back. I think that would be a great thing for the Royals to see. Obviously they traded him at the deadline just because didn't really see any hope of competing last year. But like I said, didn't pitch any innings for the Dodgers last year. Still could potentially be a Royal for life if he wanted to come back. Um, before the entry, he had a great year last year. He had a 2.51 ERA with 12 starts. So, even though he's getting up there in age, I think he still shows that he has plenty of capability of being a top rotation guy. I think he's been one of the most underrated guys in baseball throughout his whole career. I mean, he's been an anchor in that Royals um, starting rotation for years now, and I feel like he hasn't really been talked about. So, He's definitely a guy I could see them going out and getting. Um, They could re-sign Jacob Junis, which is another guy that's kind of been on the Royals for a couple years now, but he didn't have a strong season last year. He's another guy that can maybe bounce back. We've definitely seen what he can do in the past. And then if they want to go out and spend some money on some guys, I would say that maybe two names to look out for would be, one would be Carlos Radon which is a guy that we uh, talked a little bit about last week. I think he's a guy that could immediately step in and be their one or two guy in the rotation, if healthy. And then one other name I'm going to throw out there is Zach Grinke. So, obviously, Zach Grinke is a guy that started out his career with the Royals. Um, He's getting up there in age, but if the Royals want to go after it all this year and maybe – have a shot at making the postseason. I think he would be a great veteran presence in their locker room. Obviously we've seen the past couple of years, what he's done in Houston. He's still fully capable of being that ACE guy. So I, I would love to see a Grinky and Casey reunion. That would be pretty cool for me at least. What would you think about that?
1: No, I think I, I when you mentioned that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, he is getting up there in age. He's getting towards the back end of his career, and I think as a player, you always want to kind of start off or uh, end where you started. So I can definitely see Granky coming back and being a part of this rotation. Um, I love. I really like. I really like your guys' rotation. I like that you guys brought up. your probably your two. I would say you are probably your two prom- most promising arms in Singer and uh, Chris. I think those two because they were both drafted the same year. One was picked at eighteen. One was picked yeah. at forty. And so um, I really like that you brought those two up because I think in doing so, with Brady Singer, he faced the cream of the crop in college. He played that high level baseball to where he knows what it takes to get high level mm-hmm. hitters out. Given they're not major league caliber hitters, they're still pretty high caliber players, though. And I think bringing him, in, him those two up, just allowed him during that rookie season to learn and learned how to deal, learn that you can't throw those same pitches that you were throwing to get triple-A guys out because those pitches that you threw to get triple-A guys out are going to get probably taken over the wall to a major league hitter or they're just going to take that pitch. So they really had to learn and adapt to the MLB style of playing. And with bringing those guys up, I think that's what it allowed them to do. So I can definitely see Singer having a breakout year uh, next year, now having that full year under his belt. And seeing what it, seeing how the MLB level plays, I think I could see him having a breakout year. And then if you bring a Granky in there too, that's another guy that like I always talk about having a veteran presence because to me, I think having a veteran guy on your team is only going to benefit you for the, your your younger guys because it's only going to help those guys grow. Whether you, if you have questions, um, pick their mind. You faced um, who's a guy you can throw out there. I mean, just throw any MLB guy, Miguel Cabrera, mm-hmm. let's say. In division guy. Okay, you faced Miguel Cabrera before. What did you use to get him out, and how did you pitch him during this time as opposed to the other time? You know what I mean? And I love um, – he's a very controversial name right now, but uh, Trevor Bauer does, like, breakdowns, and I loved, listen, like, watching his videos whenever he would break it down, uh, just in that bat that he would have against uh, Carlos Correa or something. Just think, seeing the way of my, the mind of a major league pitcher work. I think is always very interesting and that's where that's where that veteran presence comes in because Zinger can learn from Grinky and be able to have uh that kind of mentor in a sense to help him um get to that next level. Yeah. Just you mentioning um, that,
0: I mean, that makes me want Ricky to come back even more just to get that veteran presence in that rotation. I think that'd be huge for those young guys.
1: No, absolutely. And um like, yeah, I mean, I think that veteran presence is just always huge in any any type of organization. Um, with your, I, I really like your take on your team, though. Um, you know, I think your lineup is really solid. Um, to me, I think you have a future, um, little group, grouping again, like you guys once had mm-hmm. with Hosmer, um, Gordon, all of them. I, I, I can see that with, um, with Lopez and I think Bobby, Wood junior starts uh, needs to start out in the with the major league club. I think you need to bring him up and he needs to be on the opening day roster because I think he's the guy that can help this team now at third base. And I think with the way he hit last year, he had 285 last year, you pair him with Nikki Lopez. I see them in my eyes. I see them as a, as a young, uh, Ian Kensler and Elvis Andrews Ooh, in Texas. Okay. I think those are, cause those are two guys that, Always were able to produce at the plate. They always hit two seventy, two eighty, and then they were a double play duo that stayed together for a mm-hmm. very long time. And I think with, or I mean, even if you move Bobby Witt to, um, no, well, probably not because Witt's there. But I mean, just that three that trio in the infield. You got Witt, Merrifield, Nikki uh, Nikki Lopez, and Bobby Witt Jr. I think, and then you even have Kyle. Uh, is it mm-hmm. Isbel? Yeah. I mean, those are four young guys right there that you can build around. I think that that gives this team a lot of upside, um, like you guys once had. And I think you guys are just missing a big bat. To me, I think you guys are missing a bit bat. I think your bullpen. I mean, if you, I think Granky makes sense mm-hmm. for the rotation. Um, I don't think you guys need to spend money on a big time arm like Rendon. In my opinion, um, I would rather go. You guys go spend that money on a okay. Bat. I'd rather you guys go and get a DH, like maybe a Nelson Cruz to add to this lineup. Because if you were to add a big bat, I think that makes your lineup even mm-hmm. better. Because I don't think, although Raul Mondesi has been okay. He had 230 last year. Wait one second. Uh, He had 230 last year. Year before that in this COVID season, he had 256. Um, 2019 hit 263, 18, 2276 So he's kind of been on that downslide. I mean, ever since he was with the Royals in 18, he hit 276, and then from there it's just dropped. So I think if you bring in a big bat, a big presence in that in that lineup that is filled with young guys that can hit, I think that only puts you guys at a higher level in contention. Um, Because you got Whit Merrifield, who's probably the most underrated player in the major leagues today that dude just absolutely mm-hmm. rakes every year. And he doesn't get the recognition right. he deserves. Whit Merrifield is probably one of the most, like one of the best contact guys that I, you can watch. So you got him, you got Lopez, you got Salvi who I don't even need to <laughs> go into Salvi. You guys should just know by me saying that, what kind of yeah. caliber player he is. And then you got Penn attendee who uh, came over from the Red Sox and, had a great year. I mean, I had a pretty decent year last year. He had 276, 17 bombs. Gold glove. Like, that's all you can ask for. The gold glove there. Yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. you got a gold glove. Like, that's all you can ask for from a guy there. You, then you bring, and then, like I said, you got to bring in Bobby Witt. I think Bobby Witt, getting him up there and adapting to big league pitching is a big thing for the world in order for you guys to yeah. take off. And then getting a bat like Cruz, um, because I think you guys have the pieces there. In order to
0: succeed, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I could just give you a little breakdown of what our lineup might look like next year, and I think it could be kind of scary what we might be able to put together. The lineup is the part that's most exciting for me as a Royals fan. So just breaking it down, obviously, Salvi's is going to be the catcher next year. Um, first base. Mm-hmm. Could be Carlos Santana again. I don't think it will be though, because there's two prospects in our system that I think are definitely big league ready. Um, Nick, Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino. So those are guys I'll touch on a little bit here in a couple minutes, but those are two guys I think we'll see compete for the first base job. And then like you mentioned, Nicky Lopez, obviously at second base, I think Mondesi is going to probably fill in at shortstop again. Um, I'm definitely a lot more excited on Monesey than yeah, you gave him credit for just because he's a guy that we really haven't seen a full season from just because he's kind of like a busting guy that we haven't really seen a full season from just because of the injury bug. So if he can stay healthy, he's another guy that I'm excited for just because he's shown flashes before of just like five tool guy he can hit for contact he can hit for power when he's healthy he's a fantastic fielder obviously he's a big threat on the base pass he led the league in stolen bases in 2020 so he's a guy that i could see if he has a full season under his belt he he might surprise some people and then at third base um bobby witt jr Obviously, he's big league ready. I think, like you said, you got to put him on the opening day roster and just let him loose. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what we get from him. I am very excited for Bobby Witt Jr. and I think all Royals fans are. And then moving to the outfield, obviously, like you said, Andrew Benintendi had a great year last year, Gold Glove winner. Center field is kind of hard to say. Obviously, we had Michael A. Taylor there last year. Not a great bat, but he ended up winning a gold glove too, which I feel like in Kansas City is a great thing to have in center field as a gold glove guy just because one of, if not the biggest outfields in baseball, very underrated to have a good fielder there. But you also touched on Kyle Isbell. I think he could definitely compete for that center field job. Either way, I think they're going to have a pretty good option at center field. And then I think you put Merrifield in right, just because of the talent that you have in that infield. And then DH-wise, I think Nelson Cruz is an interesting name. Um, I don't know if I see him coming to the Royals or not. I think more likely than not, it's probably going to be an in-house guy, probably going to be like Carlos Santana or Hunter Dozier at DH. But if they went out to sign somebody, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to Nelson Cruz. I think that would be a good veteran presence in their lineup. Personally, I said maybe they re-sign Jorge Soler. Obviously, we saw what he did in Atlanta. Uh, World Series MVP hasn't found a home yet. So I think we'd love to have him back in Kansas City. That would be great to have Soler back. And then one last thing to maybe consider is there's a pretty good catcher coming up in the farm system by the name MJ Melendez. And there's been rumblings that they want to keep Salvi as healthy as possible. And that can mean him moving to DH potentially sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So that can maybe be something to watch out for. Salvi might move to DH sooner than people think and just get MJ Melendez up here and, in the lineup and see what he can do. So I'll give a little bit of a breakdown on some of those prospects to watch. Like you said, Bobby Witt, obviously we all know what he can do. He hit 290 last year, 361 on base percentage, 33 home runs, 29 stolen bases, and 123 minor league games across double A AA and triple A. Prototype, five tool player, obviously we hope he's going to be a Royal Star for years to come. Um, the two first base guys, Nick Prado, He's 65th on MOB.com, top 100 prospects. He hit two sixty five last year, three eighty five on base percentage with 36 home runs and 124 games across A AA and AAA. Great bat, and what I've heard, he's an even better fielder. He could be a future goal Glover. So I would say he might be the second coming of Eric Cosmer here in Kansas City. He's definitely a guy I'm excited about and been excited about since the moment we drafted him. And then the other first base guy, Benny Pasquantino, he's 17th ranked in the Royal system on MLB.com, which I feel like he should be a lot higher. He's a guy that a lot of Royals people on social media has talked about. Um, He hit 300 last year with a 394 on base percentage with 24 home runs and 116 games across single A and double A. And he even played better after his call-up to double A. So – Maybe he's a name that we'll see later in the year, but he might be a sleeper candidate for that DH spot maybe come July or August after we see him in the minors a little bit more. And then the last name that I mentioned, MJ Melendez. He is ranked 67th on MLB.com, top 100 prospects. He hit two eighty eight with a three seventy two on base percentage last year, but here's the most impressive part. He hit 41 home runs across 123 double AA and triple a games and he is the even better defender he's a plus defender behind the plate and he has a plus arm and people just rave about what his talent is behind the plate so i think he's definitely going to take over for salvi soon or whenever the time comes and i'm just very excited to see some of these young guys here in kansas city pretty soon
1: no, I don't blame me. I mean, shoot the Second Coming of Eric Hosmer, huh? Well, maybe a, even the Second that's High Praise coming right of there Salve
0: too with Melendez. I think he's a sleeper prospect there for the Royals.
1: And I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're looking at Salvi, who is 31. Um, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the time, you know, you are a lot of teams struggle to keep that longevity of your catcher beyond the plate, just because of the toll it takes every day for them to catch every day or every off, like even if you get an off day. You're still having that wear and tear on you, so I think it does make sense. I think it does make a lot of sense for you to bring up Melendez, like you mentioned already. He did he did hit very well, and I think he's coming into his own, you know. And rookie boss and single A, but the two levels of uh, single A and high. A, he struggled a little bit. He had two sixty two and two fifty one, and then one sixty three. Mm-hmm. But then you look at last year, in twenty twenty one, and double between double AA and triple A, he had two eighty five and two ninety three. Right. So, if he had that year when that COVID year to finally maybe figure out his swing, maybe he found a gap in his swing that he was getting, or um, he was swinging at pitches maybe he shouldn't have, you know, maybe he just figured out what he needed to do in order to be that successful pitcher, I mean, su- successful hitter, then that that just helps the rules in the long run. Because, like you said, now you can bring him up and get him behind Selvi to where he, either they platoon or however they however they want to work that out you know Salvi's a plus catcher as well he's mm-hmm. a gold glove catcher so you bring him up have Melendez learn from Salvi learn how to manage a big league rotation learn how to deal with big league umpires maybe they bring in you know down the line they bring in the robot umpire so you have to worry you don't have to worry yeah, about that as much as like we talked about last week but but I mean you still got to learn how to steal those pitches and with him already being a plus defender, learning from Salvi as well, another plus defender that helps the Royals behind the plate as well. So then now you have that option to put Salvi at DH. And like you said, that only boosts this lineup even more. So that makes them a lot more exciting. And then you mentioned, um, I I was, I was going to mention as well, Nick Prado. I think he's a guy that you come in and bring him up as well. He tore the cover off the ball. And, um, like you said, uh, he had uh, two seventy one in double a last year. and um I think if you bring him up, he also just boosts this lineup. So I think there's a lot to be excited about with the Royals if I'm you because there's a lot of young talent to where like I mentioned, you can have that young core grouping again that you guys had that you guys once had with Hosmer, salvi, uh Gordon, and all those guys. you know I think it's very exciting to see what this team comes out to be. it's better, for me as a pitcher I, I can't wait to see how this rotation shapes out you know, with Singer and uh, Chris. I think those two, or even uh, Carlos Hernandez too, I think those are guys, a young rotation that this team could – Turn around and be a standout rotation maybe this next year. No, mm-hmm. that year under the and even
0: talking about their pitching, we haven't even talked about their bullpen yet. I mean, just looking at some of their bullpen arms, they they mm-hmm. got a little sleeper bullpen there. Scott Barlow, he really came to his own last year when they put him in that closer spot. Obviously didn't have too many opportunities to close out games for the Royals, but the talents there for him. Uh, another guy, Josh Staumont, he – regularly hits triple digits with his fastball. So obviously that alone is great talent to have. Two eighty eight ERA last year, over sixty four games pitched. And then another name, Jake Brentz. He kinda came out of nowhere last year. Ended up pitching seventeen sorry, seventy-two games out of the bullpen with a three sixty six ERA. Another great guy to have and then a the last guy I kinda wanted to touch on is Domingo Tapia. Um he came over, I think, from Seattle, and he did pretty well for us, too. He pitched 32 games out of the bullpen with a 2.84 ERA. So there's pieces there in the bullpen, and I think if they want to go and compete in the next year or two, two guys maybe they could look at in free agency. We touched on him last week, uh, Kenley Jansen. Obviously, he would come in automatically be a closer. Great. Mm-hmm veteran presence with posting experience checks all the boxes for him. And then I uh, got that you mentioned earlier Ryan Sparrow, I think would be another great addition for him too. So even if they don't get either of those guys, I think the bullpen is in great shape. We will see with the rotation, what those young guys can do. And then, like I said, the lineup is the most exciting part. These guys will hit the ball They will hit it out of the park with the right guys. And then, obviously, we've got plenty of guys that can steal bases, too. So, within the next couple of years, maybe even in 2022, we will see the Royals become an exciting team again. I am very excited.
1: Yeah, if I were you, I would be, too, because I think there's a lot of young talent here. And that you guys could definitely make all right.
0: So we will go ahead and move on to the Tigers. Um, They went 77 and 85 last year, which obviously not great, but they seem to be a decent little team here. And between what they've done in free agency and kind of what they already had on their roster, I feel like they could be all in on competing, which is kind of interesting so, uh, what are your thoughts here on Detroit?
1: So, with the Tigers, they already went out and made, uh, I think, a pretty big splash early on in free agency. And they went out and got uh, Javi Baez mm-hmm. to go and add to this lineup. And, um, you know, I think that the team, to me, I think they're a lot like the or I don't know. i uh, To me, I look at this team and I see them kind of like the Orioles to where I they were – semi-competitive last year however i think they're just in uh, a rebuild mode you know and they did that with getting bias who i think was a great pickup for them like i said um next thing for them in my eyes i think if they're able to get it done and they have the money to get it done why not go settle your shorts uh your shortstop position move bias over to second yeah i was thinking grand.
0: the exact same thing it's crazy that you brought that up
1: Because you pair those two together. Those are two dudes that already give you a big jump in that lineup. Um, And then you bring up, I think, uh, he's a prospect to watch. And I can easily, same thing as Bobby Witt. I can see him in the opening day uh, lineup Mm -hmm. as well. Torkelson. Bring him up. Get him at first base because Miggy is not getting any younger. So, You bring him up, put him at first base. Now you got three guys already in your infield that you can build around. You got Torkelson, you got Baez, you got Correa, who are all pretty still in their prime. And then you got Torkelson, who's just getting started. So I think if you bring up Torkelson and you would let him come up there, learn from Cabrera, like I said, that veteran presence to learn from, uh, let him learn from these three guys that have went out and won championships, quote unquote, (laughs) quote
0: unquote championship. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you let you let them come up and learn from these guys that know how to compete. Get that winning mindset established into them. There you go. Now you now you already got the ground like the ground the hit the ground running and rebuilding mm-hmm. this team. And I think that's a big thing for the Tigers organization to go out and do is to just get these fans excited yeah. about the future. Because I think if you do that and you bring up Torque, you get Correa. You may even have a shot if you guys all play right. If they play right, they, they could have a shot just alone with Cabrera, Torque, Baez, and Correa to go and help this team win. I mean, at, I mean, they still got some holes in the lineup, but I think it's still something you can work with. I mean, you got, um, let me see here. You got Scope, who had mm-hmm. 278 last year. Um, you take a look at their outfield. Uh, there's really not any bright spots in this outfield. Yeah, to be with you. That's their weakness right here. <laughs> I'm taking a look at it right now. I mean I mean I'm looking at it right now. I mean you lot
0: I think Robbie Grossman is kind of an underrated guy just because his batting average maybe isn't as high as people would like, but he, he gets on base a lot. He draws a lot of walks, so I think Robbie Grossman isn't a terrible name in their outfield, and then Akil Badu is mm-hmm. a guy that's been talked about a lot as one of their top prospects. He was a rookie last year. Um, didn't have blow it by you numbers. Hit two fifty nine, three thirty on base percentage, but obviously only twenty two. He's a guy to watch out for. that could improve moving forward.
1: No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like the, those guys, Grossman has had good years in the past, and then uh, Badu. He's a young guy to be looking out for. I mean, like a, like we want to get younger, we want to get better, we want to get this ground, like get this core going. Then I think that's something they need to do is get Torque out there, get Correa, um, and then the rotation they got uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. They brought him in. Uh, he was, uh, I want to say he was the yeah. ace of Boston. He used to be there. I want to say he was their ace during uh, one of these past years. And he had a four seven four last year. I could see him having a bounce back year. Casey Mize, big name, first overall pick back in eighteen. He had a three seven one. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, which is pretty dang impressive for, uh, for that kid. I think he's going to be have a great year next year as well. After another year of being here, and um, you know, I could see them maybe going out and getting an arm. They moved Fulmer to the um uh on this on here. They have Fulmer in the bullpen. I think they. Yeah, moved he was to more the of a setup last guy year, last year, if I remember if right. Yeah, he was a setup guy last year. And I had him as a starter for another team. I think I had him going to—I forgot what team I had him going to last week. Um, but anyway, Fulmer—they um, moved into the bullpen. Had a two nine seven ERA. I think this bullpen put up decent numbers um, all around. They had about a three R ERA, um, and then they had some bright spots, like I said with Fulmer and two, with a two nine seven. So I think that pitching wise, there there's some improvement to be had um so maybe going out and getting an arm wouldn't hurt them um it's pretty much it That i think the biggest thing is just getting korea in here and just starting the rebuild process
0: yeah um i think if they're wanting to compete they definitely have the pieces to especially it, if they bring in korea that would be huge just looking at the lineup they could potentially have. Um, They would have either Eric Hossie at catcher or they did trade for Tucker Barnhart from the Reds. So neither of those guys are big names at catcher, but uh, not too bad. They would probably move uh, Candelario to first base, I would assume, for Torkelson. And then rounding out that middle infield, uh, Javier Baez, and then if they could get Correa, that would be a pretty good infield. And then their outfield, like we said, Robbie Grossman Akil Badu, And then they have a guy that they could send up from the minors here pretty soon, and uh, Riley Green. He he's the number seven prospect on MLB.com top one hundred. So he's a guy they're definitely looking forward to uh, hit three hundred one with a three eighty seven on base percentage, twenty four jacks last year in one hundred twenty four games across Double A AA and Triple A. He's a great five tool guy that. I think he will probably be in the starting outfield this year, going to fill in in whatever spots that Grossman and Badu probably don't fill in. So looking at that lineup, I think that lineup would be pretty solid. And then kind of what you said about their starting rotation, um, you know, they've got uh, Rodriguez. They signed him. They've got Casey Mize. He, some guys that you didn't touch on here, Tariq Skubal, he's a pretty good prospect. that had a decent year last year, 434 ERA. And then um, they've got, who else here? Matt Manning is another guy to look out for. He didn't have a great year last year, 580 ERA, but he's 23, definitely a top prospect in their system. Looked for him to improve more. Mo- Moving forward, and then Tyler Alexander is another guy to look after. He started in 15 games last year, was kind of a bullpen guy. They moved through rotation, and he had a good year: 3.81 ERA with a 1.26 WHIP. So, another guy to look out for. And like you said, their bullpen isn't great, but it's not terrible either. So, I don't know. Just looking at what they've got, I think they've got a decent roster moving forward, and. Maybe they add a couple guys in free agency and surprise people with a winning record this year and maybe even push a wild card spot. Who knows?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one name. One second here. Pull it up. I think one name that we didn't mention that uh, is coming off of Tom and John surgery that can, in the future, a part of the reboot process is, Spetz, is Spencer yeah. uh, Turnbull. You know he had Tommy John surgery, but before that, in a nine starts and fifty innings, he had a two point eight eight ERA. The year before that, he started three. Uh, I'm sorry, started eleven games in 2020, had a three point nine seven. So this is another arm you can throw right. into that rotation yeah, That can give this that can give this bullpen mm-hmm. a boost and give these guys a shot to go out and compete in the future. Um, I don't know when he's expected back. Um, I know he had Tommy John surgery, so if he comes back, I wouldn't I would imagine it probably wouldn't be this year, it'd probably be closer to next year. Um so yeah, but that's another notable name to mention. Um but I think the I think these Tigers can be close. Can be close to making a run at another run that they once yeah, had back I in the I hundred
0: percent agree with you there. It'll be interesting to see how their twenty twenty two shakes out. Uh, whether they end up competing or if they start the rebuild process. Um, They've got some guys there, and we'll see what happens there in Detroit. So before we talk about the Guardians here, do you want to go ahead and do your second ad
1: real quick? Sure. Pull it up. Oops. So our second ad comes from the T&A podcast. They are an adult-themed comedy podcast. The show bas- is basically two guys shooting the shit about subjects picked by their, their audience via websites and social media. TNA Podcasts will entertain, uh, entertain offers for on-air reads as well as possible spot trades for other podcasts. Listen to TNA Podcast today. New shows daily. All right,
0: in. so moving on here to the second place team in the AL Central in 2021. Formerly the Cleveland Indians, who are now the Cleveland Guardians. What do you what do you got moving forward for the Guardians here? New name and everything.
1: For me, it's weird yeah, hundred the sure. percent. That's what
0: I was thinking too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, it's weird to call them that. Um, but for me, um, again, no key losses. I think that's a common theme with all these teams so far. Is that they haven't lost anyone big, and that's that's sometimes a good thing. Um, when you're not losing a big piece for your team, um, that going, that could only mean big things for you guys. So uh, with the Cleveland Indians, uh, they have for me a solid rotation already with Beebs and then Pleissack and uh, Quirt- mm-hmm. Kyle Quintril, uh, who I think Pleissack had had a, had a okay, he had a four six seven ERA, but I don't think that represents him. Um, I think he just had an off year last year. Same with Beebs. Beebs had a 3.17. And then you have uh McKinsey, and then you have Aaron Civil. All, th- all, all this whole lineup I think just had an off year last year because I think their numbers do not represent the kind of pitchers that they can be. All of them have plus stuff. Um get out uh get guys out type stuff. And I think I can see this rotation turning around this next season. Um, but I think with a new team and a new brand, um, I think you got to go out to me and make a boom and get off to a hop start because I think you're either rebranding, you want to rebuild, and you look at it, you're like, all right, we're a new team, we got to get a new look, or your mindset is, all right, we're a new brand, we're a new team, let's go out and let's go mm-hmm. out and be in con- contention. And um, like I said, their bullpen—I mean, their their rotation was solid. Um, their bullpen was average. I could see them um, bringing in a relief pitcher potentially. Um, but when I look at this lineup, I think it's similar to the Royals, to where they just need a a guy to come in and be that bat for them. And um, like I said, they got they got Quan they got Stephen Kwan – who's a young guy who's going to come up and do big things for him. Um, so I can see them definitely going out. And I think you bring in a, a, a Ohio native. Oh, Bring in Kyle okay. Schwarber. I think Kyle Schwarber comes in and helps. And is that boost to this lineup that you're needing behind Jose Ramirez and uh, from, uh, F- Familia Reyes. I think if you put him in there between those two guys, your middle of the lineup yeah. just got a whole lot scarier because you have a Mid Rosario at 282 last year Miles Straw 271 um, you got Bobby Bradley who like I said I don't think that represent I don't think those numbers represent the kind of player he can be you got Steven Kwan and then this you just got a solid t- group of guys that I think can go out and do things, uh, do some solid stuff but I think solidifying that 3 4 and 5 guys with Schwarber Familia and Ramirez is, is something you can definitely go out and look for. And that's who I have um, them targeting in free agency. I think they need a bat, and I think they just need to make the splash with the new team team name. Yeah,
0: um, I agree with what you're saying here with the Guardians. Um, just looking at the roster, I feel like they've got a lot of young talent that they can build around for the future. And I think that should probably be their number one goal in 2022 is just giving all these young guys – plenty of playing time and just continue to focus on developing mm-hmm. the younger talent and kind of just see where it takes them because it's, it's really just hard to say what they're going to do hundred percent, but they could either fall to fourth or fifth in the central, or they could end up maybe finishing second again or pushing to first. It kind of just depends on where all this young talent takes them. Just looking at their lineup, obviously they've got a lot of guys that could help them moving forward. Um, Framiel Reyes, like you mentioned, he's a pretty good bat in their DH spot. Plenty of young guys here. Josh Naylor, Miles Straw, obviously Jose Ramirez is a great bat to have in that lineup. You mentioned Ahmed Rosario and Bobby Bradley too. So a lot of guys in their lineup that will kind of just wait and see on what they can do moving forward. And then, like you said, with their uh, rotation, I think that's the thing that sticks out to me one of the best young rotations in baseball with Contro, Plesak, Savale, McKenzie, and Bieber. I mean, all of these guys are 26, 27 and under. McKenzie's like 23 or 24. So I would say that's the number one thing for the Guardians moving forward is just that lights out rotation and seeing what they can do. And just we'll see where it can take them. I think the sky's the limit for them kind of moving forward here and just seeing – what the young guys can do and then kind of looking at what their bullpen has got. I think they have some two guys in the bullpen that could potentially just be their closer and their setup guy for years to come here. And James Karinchak and Emmanuel Klase, I mean, Karinchak is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere here in the past couple of years and the COVID season in 20, um, He was lights out in 27 innings, had 267 ERA, and he struck out 53 in those 27 innings, which was an insane number. So he's a guy to look out for. And then, like I said, Classe, he ended up being their closer at the end of the year after Karnchak. I think he either got sent down with an injury or something happened with him. But Klasse came out and proved that he is a guy to watch moving forward. He had a 1.29 ERA in 71 games with a .96 whip and he is a guy that he throws a cutter and it is normally in the triple digits so good luck catching up with that. I think he, he's a guy <laughs> that uh, he could be a great closer for years to come so they've got plenty of talent in Cleveland moving forward and it'll just be interesting to see what happens with them. I think maybe one guy they could target in free agency is Mark Canna um, uh, I think Ooh. that they've got an open spot in that outfield potentially. So he could definitely be a guy that can get on a cheap yeah. deal. He's an on-base percentage machine, kind of a sleeper guy. And he could definitely help the team if they're contending. And if they're not contending, they could always flip him at the deadline. Obviously, he'd be an on-base guy that a contender could want either just as a starter or maybe even a bat off the bench. So... I don't know. We we'll see what happens with Cleveland. It'll be interesting.
1: I really like that adding Canada to this lineup because, like you mentioned, he is a contact guy, and I think that's something they could be maybe struggling with if um, Bradley Zimmer doesn't start, doesn't perform. I think you can bring in Canada and be that be that uh, outfield presence in that or uh, be a, another outfielder and another bat in this lineup. I think one position you got to look at too, leading into the prospects, is um, Austin Hedges. I think you got to make, determine what you want to do with him. Uh, You got Sandy Leone as your backup catcher right now, who they did sign in free agency from Miami. He's a very good veteran catcher. However, I don't think he's a guy that you put back there behind the plate every day. But I also don't think that with Austin Hedges too. And I think if you're looking for that thump in your lineup, um, I'm going to take a look. And I'm going to go and bring up their number 13th prospect right now, Brian Mm -hmm. LaVistida. He's so this kid can absolutely hit the cover off the ball. Um, He does need work behind the plate, that's his only downside. But this dude can absolutely mash. Um, In rookie ball in 2018, he had 292. In 2019, between short season, short season A ball and A ball. He had three thirty five, wow. and then last year between high a ball, double A ball, and triple A ball, he had a combined two eighty nine. Not to mention, in all those seasons, he his lowest on base percentage was three eighty, which is a big, big improvement. He which is a big improvement at the plate than what you are already getting from Hedges and what you'll probably get from Leone. Um, like I said, his only downside right mm-hmm. now is his catching. They say that he he needs work. Um, with his receiving um, and they're questioning whether or not he can handle a big league rotation. But I think if I'm the Indians and I'm in contention sometime and I'm still if I'm in contention somewhere down the line, I think he's a name that you got to consider, consider bringing up because if you can get that production at the plate and that's all you're really missing is that, that guy that can hit guys in when you get to that, eight, nine spot in the lineup after Quan already got on and uh, Jimenez gets on, then why not bring him in? You know, bring him up and just see what he can do, even if you just give him a little feel and taste of the big leagues. And if he succeeds, he succeeds. If he doesn't, then, well, then we still got to work on his receiving and we just know his upsets yeah, at the plate. Yeah, I think that's a guy you know I know could mean?
0: definitely consider bringing up because, like you said, Austin Hedges is their catcher now. Obviously, he was a top prospect years ago, but – He's getting up there in age, and we still haven't really seen much from him. only hit 178 last year, so he's definitely a guy that's probably easily replaceable at this point. Um, So, yeah, I I would definitely agree that's a guy they need to take a look at. Obviously, they got Bo Naylor in that system, too, which is a young guy, but he Mm -hmm. has kind of struggled in double-A this last year, just hitting-wise. So maybe that's something he'll come out of. Obviously, he's a great prospect, and... He's got uh, his brother um, Josh already on the Indians, so maybe that's another reason to bring him up. But Mm -hmm. who knows? We'll see what happens with the Guardians here, and their catcher situation will be something to look out for. So moving on real quick, we've got our last team to talk about here in the AL Central, the Chicago White Sox, who they ended up being 93-69 and last year. Obviously lost to the Astros and the ALDS, but I don't think they will be down on their luck for too much longer. Um, This is a team that is loaded with talent, and I think they are probably going to be a lock to win the division again this year. Um, If you're kind of looking at something that they did at the trade deadline last year, they did trade for Craig Kembrel, which to me was kind of a questionable decision. Um, if you look at who they traded him for, um, they gave up C- Cody Hoyer, which is a great young relief prospect and it kind of brings to the table almost what Kimbrel does, at least like talent wise, obviously Kimbrel is years ahead of him in experience and Kimbrel brings that, uh, postseason experience, but, uh, they gave him up and they also gave up Nick Madrigal, which was a great. Uh, second-base prospect for the White Sox, too. And they gave both those guys up for an aging reliever in Kimbrel, who also brings a pretty hefty price tag. So I thought that was a questionable decision for them. Um, If he ends up going ahead and having a great year this year and it just lights out in that bullpen for the White Sox, I think it's kind of justifiable. But that was just kind of something that caught my eye that happened last year at the trade deadline that I wanted to bring up. And then if you kind of look at what they've done this offseason, they lost Cesar Hernandez to the Nationals, which is not a terribly concerning loss. Um, I think that Larry Garcia can go ahead and step in that second base role for him if they need to. Obviously, he's a utility guy, so maybe they could keep him just playing wherever they need him to on an everyday basis, but he's a guy that could fill that hole. And then... They've signed Kendall Graveman from the Astros, which is going to be a great addition to their bullpen. He's a reliever that's a converted starter, and I think last year was his first year out of the pen. He had a 177 ERA and had 61 strikeouts in 56 innings for Seattle and Houston. So that's a great signing to bolster on to what they've got going on in that bullpen. And then, like I said, just looking at this roster, I think they've got, Amazing talent going forward. They got Ismani Grandal at catcher, obviously. Jose Abreu at first. Um, Second base, like I said, is kind of a question mark up in the air right now, but they've got options that they can fill in there. Um, Tim Anderson at shortstop, great talent. We know what he can do. Yohan Makata at third. They've got uh, in the outfield plenty of names to consider. Obviously, Luis Robert, he's fantastic talent. Aloy um, Jimenez, who we only saw in limited action last year before he got hurt, but he's a great talent to have there. And then last but not least, Andrew Vaughn, who is only 23, so he has plenty of time to improve. He only hit two thirty five last year, but has regularly had his name in the top prospect category for the White Sox. So just moving forward, I think they've got a great lineup. And then if you kind of look at what they've got going on starting rotation-wise, they got Lucas Giolito, who – We all know what he can do. He's a great name to have. And then um, they got Dylan Cease, who's a great young arm too. And then Dallas Keuchel, who kind of had a down year, only had a 528 ERA. But who knows, maybe we could have a bounce back year and prove that he is the type of guy that we've seen in Houston. And then, obviously, Lance Lynn had a fantastic year last year, 269 ERA. 1.07 whip, so they'll rely on him maybe to be the ace this year, and then um, rounding out the rotation, they got Ronaldo Lopez, who was once a top prospect kind of guy for the Nationals, then he came over to the White Sox, and he looked pretty well last year, had nine starts, 343 ERA, .95 whip, so if they decide to throw him into the rotation again this year, I think that's a name to look for, and Besides Keuchel, that rotation is looking pretty strong in
1: Chicago. No, absolutely. This rotation is, to me, probably the one of the tops in baseball. I mean, you got Giolito, whose name speaks for itself. You got Dylan Seas, who had a great year last year. I think in order for this lineup to be good, I mean, to be spectacular, he needs to take another step up from last year. And like you mentioned, they got Keuchel, and then they got I think another a name that if he could stay healthy, True. Kopech could be one mm-hmm. of the starters. I think they can rely on this year. Um, you got Lance Lynn, and then you like you mentioned that bullpen is just solid. You got Kimbrel, you got Liam Hendricks, and if you're a baseball fan, you gotta go watch Garrett Richard pitch. He's a six six lefty that is a fireballer. Fireballer, and his move Hell. his movement is just insane. If you're a big fan of pitching. Go watch that dude's highlights because he is when you watch her, right. like there's no He's way a boss to move that much. Him, there's bitch. just no way. He's so good. I, lo- I really enjoy love watching him. And then like you said, you look at this lineup, this no, <laughs> there's not, not, not very many holes in this lineup. You got you got you got Tim Anderson, Moncada, Abreu, Grindal, Robert, Eloy. Like I mm-hmm. like this whole lineup is just nasty um there's no reason why like this division is there to lose to be honest with you and um you know for me the only upgrade i can see them doing is going and trading for a second baseman i don't Mm -hmm. think there's anyone on the market for them to go and get but i can definitely see them going to go trade for someone um i have three possible names and then i have a favorite um a name i've already mentioned already kento Marte. He can provide you that platoon out in the outfield, whether Roberts, uh, Roberts and Eloy, who were both coming off of injuries last year, um, need a rest day. Or if you want to put him in right and give Eloy, I mean, Ingle uh, a day off, you can do that. Put him at a second base, um, gives you more production at second base than I think Larry Garcia will. Um, another name I have is Glaber Torres, a Yankee. If the Yankees decide to bring in Trevor Story, um, I could see them tri- shipping out Labor Torres, and he already gives you more production at the plate than I think a um, Leary does in the sense that he... I think he gives provides more upside at the plate as far as that mm. more contact-slash-power type thing goes. Uh, but my favorite, my personal favorite... Oh, wow. ...is Tony Kemp, yeah. who's a second baseman for the Oakland A's. Um, he's my favorite only because... Of I got to see him play here in Triple A when uh, we were mm. part of the Astros organization, and this kid can run, he can hit, and he's just the type of prototypical second baseman that you want in your lineup. And he had two seventy nine last year, a three thirty nine on base percentage, and a three seventy seven slugging. So I think this is a good name that the White right Sox go and get if if they. Don't see Larry as that option going to go get a younger a younger second baseman, Tony Kemp, that provides you stolen bases, um, a contact. I think this is a guy they can easily go and get that can boost boost. Yeah, I that's a
0: great name to throw out there. I think he would fit right in Chicago, kind of fill that potential hole that they might have at second base. I really like that name moving forward for Chicago. That's a great guy to look out for. Um kind of some guys I had in mind maybe they could fill into this lineup one guy that came to mind for me was Nick Cassianos Um, I think he could immediately fill in for him at DH and obviously that's another bat to add to that already loaded lineup obviously they're all in on contending so they wouldn't have a problem throwing as much money as he wants so I don't think they necessarily have True. a clear-cut <laughs> option at DH right now, so he would definitely fill that hole. And then I touched on Andrew Vaughn. Obviously, he kind of struggled a little bit last year with his two thirty-five batting average. Mm-hmm. So, And then they also had Adam Eaton in the outfield, but I think he retired, if I remember right. He's, he's no longer with the White Sox, but he's either a free agent or he retired, one of the two. Um, they're probably not going to bring him back um i think he actually got released in the middle of the season so um obviously they have okay. a hole out there potentially in the outfield so maybe they could go out and get a guy like michael conforto um he'd be a low uh you know cheap option to where i think he's a little bit more right. valuable than maybe teams would give him credit for i think he'd be an under the radar signing and he could maybe fill right into that open outfield hole and you know, maybe not rely on him too much defensively, but see what he can do with his bat. And obviously, he's a former All Star, so we've seen what he can do in the past. And maybe just filling in for a competing team, he could get back to that All Star form. Absolutely. Right. I 100% so I agree with you. Um, I don't think there's too many prospects to talk about in the White Sox farm system, they don't have any guys in the top 100 for on MLB.com, but there is a guy I want to touch on um Cespedes' brother yo yo yoelquisuspidis uh-huh. he's their second prospect in their system uh-huh. um he hit 298 last year in 27 double a games 340 on base percentage and he also has an elite arm just like his brother so like i said not a great farm system out there in chicago but maybe that's one guy to look out for moving forward
1: No, I agree with you. I think I think he's a um, option. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I want to say they had his yeah, ETA I think so this year, which was very surprising to me because I think they just um, they recently just signed him. But I mean, I can definitely see it happening if you're not sold. Andrew Vaughn um,
0: or yeah, Adam Engel. Ingles product either one of them or yeah
1: or Vaughn or Engel or if if you're yeah if oh yeah yeah see ETA 2022. So they have him projected to be up in the majors this this year. So if you're not sold on Engel and then you're not sold on Vaughn as well, then, yeah, I think I could see Yokui uh, come up here and with that big plus arm, I think I could definitely see him come up in here and helping the White Sox out. I mean, he had two, anywhere from 270 to 280 mm-hmm. um, so far in any type yeah. of competition of baseball. And with that raw power and then that big arm, there's no reason why you can't see him out yeah, here. Yeah, 100 I on totally
0: agree. It'll be interesting to see what the White Sox can That's do. Obviously, it. they got plenty of talent. So we will see if they can win the division again this year. And we will give our take on who we think will win the division. But first, I want to give a quick shout-out to Calm, which is a meditation app here. Calm is a software company based in San Francisco, California. It produces meditation products, including guided meditation and sleep stories. They're the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation, with over 100 million downloads and over 1.5 million five-star reviews. They are the Apple Best of 2018 Award winner, Apple's App of the Year in 2017, Google Play Editor's Choice in 2018, and to be named by the Center for Humane Technology as the World's Happiest App. Sign up today to try the Calm app today for free and channel your inner LeBron. So, with that being said, who do you see as the AL Central winner this year in 2022?
1: To me, I don't think it's even a question. Um, the only contender that I can possibly see um, beating this team could be the White Sox. I mean, not, uh could mm-hmm. be the Royals if everything shapes out nicely. But... For me, I think it's a clear cut winner. I see the White Sox winning this division hands down. I think they're just the most put together team and most win re- win now ready team. Um, there's just so much upside in this lineup, the rotation, the bullpen. To where you look at them, there's like I don't I don't I don't know how. Yeah, you team can I'm 100 percent on
0: board with you there. Thing. I think they are clear cut by and far away the favorite here in the AL Central. I don't really see anybody dethroning them. Maybe the Royals reclaim the throne here in a couple of years. I don't know if it takes place in 2022. Obviously, you never know what can happen in the season until it starts. Maybe the White Sox go down with a bunch of injuries. And like I said, everything shapes up perfectly for the Royals with all their prospects coming up. And maybe they potentially win the division, but I don't see that happening, even though I hope for the best for the Royals. So I think we're both in agreement that the Sox should win the Division this year, and who knows, maybe they will compete for the World Series. I think they got the talent for it for sure. All right, so before we go here today, we got one last segment we want to try out today. Kind of a name that player segment. Do you want to go ahead and take the lead on this last one here?
1: Yeah. So what this is, what this segment is going to be is that we're going to try to determine a underrated player. Um, that we felt like didn't get the recognition they deserved, Um, whether that be present day or in the past. And we're going to try to tackle it as of right now, since we're breaking down divisions. We're going to keep us somewhere in the central. So we're going to um, give each other some hints. Uh, We'll give um, maybe the teams that they played for, um, some of their accolades, what position they played. And then we'll see if you can guess it from there. Alrighty, so for my guy, he played for the Mariners and the Tigers. His career batting average was 285. He was a utility guy that played second base, shortstop, and third base. He is also okay. a switch hitter.
0: And he's a he past was a, player? Also
1: a three time All Star. Oh. He is a past Util player.
0: guy. He said he played for the Tigers and the Mariners? Hmm. Mm hmm. <sighs> That is a tough one. I don't know if I can figure that out. There's not too many hints there to really narrow it down.
1: Uh, he's if it helps, he's from Venezuela. Dude, can
0: we get a time range on when he played?
1: He was. He was early in 2000s. the two, early Ooh. 2000s. Mariners and Tigers.
0: I don't know if anybody's coming to mind here. I'm kind of drawing a blank.
1: When you hear this name, you're just, it's just going to knock. All right, who, who we got? I'm telling you that right now.
0: Oh, okay. Carlos, Carlos Gein. Yeah. I don't know if that would have came to mind, but yeah.
1: Carlos. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, he was a career 285 hitter, made three all-star appearances, helped lead the Tigers to... A World Series and was a uh, – finished in the top 10 in MVP in uh, twenty uh, 2006. He finished 10th in all-star voting – I mean in MVP voting. And I think he was just an underrated player that didn't get the recognition deserved because he was behind so many great players on that team back in the yeah, early 2000s. that's and an interesting
0: name. I think –
1: That's my guy. He, he was kind <laughs> of
0: an underrated guy just because he was never – on fantastic teams, you know, and he was never really a top of the personality guy in the league, so I don't think he really got the recognition he deserved, but yeah, I I got a lot of respect for Kralowski, and he was a guy that was solid for the Tigers there in those mid-2000s years. So, I'll do a little quick one uh, before we have to go. My guy, I don't think he was necessarily an underrated player. He was just somebody that came to mind when we were doing these AL Central teams. So I've got, uh, he's a position player, played in 71 games last year for an AL Central team. He stole only nine bases, which was a career low, and only drew four walks. He's played for five teams the last three seasons. He finished second to Jacob deGrom in the 2014 AL Rookie, or NL Rookie of the Year voting, my bad. And he stole 155 bases in the minors in 2012. That one might give it away.
1: Hmm. I oh, don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to help, like. <laughs> um, let me think here.
0: Um. He played for the White Sox last year.
1: Played for the White Sox last year. Okay. Let me see here. Is it two... five more seconds. <laughs> Let me think here.
0: It is Billy Hamilton. I have no idea. Yeah. The guy that came Billy up in the Hamilton. minors is okay. just – Well, he didn't come up as a Royal. He Royal, came up as a huh? Cincinnati Red, but he ended up playing for the Royals. But he was just a –
1: Oh, Red. There you go. Yeah. Got okay. it. it
0: was just legendary speed and kind of heard about him coming up in the minors and nothing too much ever really came out of him. I don't feel like he's kind of fallen off in the past couple of years, but obviously like we've kind of said that speed obviously still has a value in the game a little bit. So he's a free agent right now. Maybe he'll fall with a contender, maybe as a bench piece and a pinch runner, maybe and on a playoff team, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. So with that being said, I think that's all the time that we've got here for episode number two of Bullpen Bros. Do you have any last words here for the audience?
1: No, just thank you guys for listening. Uh, We appreciate all the love and support. Uh, Let us know what you think about the new segment Um, of guest players. If you guys have any other segments in mind you'd like to see us do or anything like that, feel free to hit us up. Um, I am going to correct my socials, however. Uh, You can reach me on Twitter as Matt22Contreras. There's a 22 in the middle on Instagram and on Twitter. So feel free to reach out. Let us know what your thoughts are. Any criticism or constructive criticism, we're open to it. Yeah, Uh, 100%. And you can reach me
0: at Twitter, Brendan underscore Kohler, K-O-H-L-E-R. So you can obviously reach me with any any questions you got or any thoughts on the show we are open to anything so once again thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week and we are back here to discuss the al west so until then hope you guys have a great week and we
1: will see you then